And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is the season finale of NEC Football on the Run. The road to the 2023 NEC Football Championship has reached its final destination. As for the second straight season, the conference crown was decided on a mid-November Saturday afternoon at Dwayne Stadium in North Andover, Massachusetts. A rather unusually unusually warm mid-November Saturday afternoon, to be honest with you, but still, it was decided in Massachusetts for a second straight season in a winner-take-all showdown. So let's get things started one last time with a check on the top headlines. We start with the pick six. Now, Duquesne, we know they could have had everything already wrapped up and nestled safely underneath their tree. Uh, that trip to the FCS playoffs could have been clinched last week, but a loss to Stonehill kept the Merrimack Warriors alive as the Warriors took care of business against Central Connecticut State. So that set up a winner-take-all showdown for this NEC automatic bid. Both teams came out empty on their first series on Saturday, but then on Duquesne's second series, they went seven plays, 88 yards in under four minutes and got a 38-yard touchdown pass from Darius Parentes to Keyshawn Brown. Brown caught the pass and was at the nine-yard line near the near sideline, but then with two defenders on him seemingly pinning him against the sideline to force him out of bounds, he put on the brakes, stayed inbounds, walking that tightrope, made a sick cutback move back towards the field of play. The defenders over-pursued towards the out-of-bounds, and Brown then took it the rest of the way, nine yards to the end zone to give Duquesne an early 7-0 lead. A far cry from how they started last week's game against Stonehill when they could have clinched the FCS bid when they trailed 17-0 after only two offensive plays, both turnovers. This time, they jump on top early on. In the second quarter, Merrimack, they answered back. They got on the board. They started at the Duquesne 41-yard line, and the Warriors ran the ball eight straight times. Their game plan was really no secret. It was work the ground game. They moved the ball effectively, and they capped it off with Malachi Anthony calling his own number and running it in from 20 yards out to knot things up at seven. The Dukes then retook the edge with the Parenta 16-yard touchdown to Brown again. And, you know, we said last week that special teams could be an X factor in this one, and it was on the next sequence. The Duquesne defense forced a three and out. Merrimack was set to punt it away, but Jason Sweeney muffed the punt, and it was recovered by the Warriors at the Duquesne 44-yard line with under five minutes to go in the half. So with the clock Running down, Ty Edmonds Jr. ran it in from far, far from four yards out. The NEC's leading rusher to complete an 11 play, 44 yard drive. And we went into halftime all even at 14 points apiece, with Merrimack getting the ball coming out of the locker room. Much better situation than last year when Merrimack hosted St. Francis for the league title in the final game, and they trailed the Red Flash 38 to 7 at the half. This time, game tied at 14. Now, I want to read to you what Duquesne and their defense did against the Merrimack offense in the second half. So, in order, here's how it went. Three and out, they forced a punt. Three and out, they forced a punt. Three and out, they forced a punt. Fourth series, you'll never believe it. Three and out, they forced a punt. Then on the fifth series, they forced a fumble, so they got a turnover. Then another three and out and a punt. And then on the last series of the game, they recorded an interception to seal it. Up until that last drive with the interception, when Merrimack was actually driving the ball, it was a 10-play drive. But before that, up until that last drive, Duquesne had held Merrimack 
to just 19 yards of offense in their first six drives of the second half. So while the defense had things on lockdown, on the other side, Parentis threw his league-leading 21st touchdown pass, his third of the game. It was a one-yarder to Daryl Powell Jr., who's had an amazing season. That was in the third, and then the Dukes got the cherry on top of the Sunday as Edward Robinson had a 10-yard scamper, and the Dukes win it. 26 to 14, the Duquesne Dukes, your 2023 Northeast Conference football champions for a sixth time in history. And they're going to the FCS playoffs for a third time as a representative of the Northeast Conference. Darius Prentice finished the game 11 for 18 passing. He had three touchdowns and 218 yards in the air. Edward Robinson led the Dukes with 89 rushing yards, his fifth game over 80 this year, and he scored his seventh touchdown. Not bad for a freshman. On the other side, Taj, the running back, he had 46 yards on a team-high 13 carries. You could say it was a Sir Mix-a-Lot type game. And then on the other side, Merrimack, their offense, just held to 202 yards of offense well under their season average. Now, around the rest of the Northeast Conference on Saturday, LIU, remember, they would have had a chance to clinch a share of the NEC title with a win and a Duquesne loss, but midway through their game against Stonehill, they learned the result across the state of Massachusetts as, again, they were also in Massachusetts taking on a motivated Stonehill team. So they learned that that title opportunity was not going to go their way. Stonehill, on the other hand, they still had a lot to play for. They were looking to finish with a winning record for the first time in the NEC and perhaps clinch a tie for second place. Now, LIU led this game 17-14 at the half and 23-21 in the waning stages of the third quarter. But coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, not too long after that Duquesne game went final and it was apparent that LIU's title hopes for this season were wiped away, Stonehill turned it on. 19 unanswered points for the Skyhawks over the last 15-34, three fourth quarter touchdowns, and Stonehill wins it 40-23. to Stonehill finished its second Division I FCS season with back-to-back victories and three wins in their last four games. Jermaine Corbett had a big game on the ground. He had two touchdowns, which gives him 20 and 23 career games. He had 94 yards, which gets him over 2,000 for his career, just the eighth 2,000-yard running back in Stonehill history. Corbett finished the season with 895 rushing yards in an eight-game season. Remember, he missed a couple due to injury. Still good for finishing third in the league in the rushing title race. Owen Glasgow of LIU at 130 all-purpose yards. He was effective on the ground and through the air. Stonehill, they they wrap up their second NCAA FCS season with a 5-5 record and and 4-3 in the Northeast Conference. Elsewhere, SFU closed out the year with a 49-14 win over Central Connecticut. Cole Doyle returned as the starter. He threw a pick six on SFU's first possession, but after that, the Red Flash responded with touchdowns on their next four straight drives. Doyle went 16 for 24, 16 for 25, 253 yards with four touchdowns. Dawson Snyder was a beneficiary of that big game. He caught six passes for 129 yards and two touchdowns. And then the red flash all in all, they finished with 549 yards of offense. Again, 549 yards, 49 points. One of their biggest offensive games of the season to close out the year. 
Wagner, they finished the 2023 campaign on a winning note themselves with a 48-21 win over Post. The story of the day was the Seahawks ground game. The Seahawks recorded a season-high 239 rushing yards. Zachary Palmer Smith had 14 carries for 128 yards and two touchdowns, while Ricky Sproul had 12 carries for 113 yards and three rushing touchdowns. He had a receiving touchdown as well. The victory helped Wagner finish the year at four and seven overall, three and four in league play, which again is is amazing considering they only had two league wins over the previous four years combined. And finally, Sacred Heart dropped their season finale against interstate rival UConn 31 to three. It was the first ever meeting between the two programs. So here's how it all ends up. We've been waiting all year to see how this NEC football puzzle would be put together. And well, the puzzle is complete. Here's how things stand at the end of the regular season. Duquesne finishes the year six and one in conference play, the lone team in first place at the top of the standings. Then you have four teams, all two games back. Stonehill, Merrimack, St. Francis, and LIU, all four and three. And they could go into the offseason claiming, hey, we finished the year in second place. Not too bad. Wagner, big improvement. They were one and six last year at the bottom of the standings. They improved by two wins, three and four in conference play, and finished sixth. And then, of course, you have Sacred Heart at two and five, while Central Connecticut finishes up at one and six. Now it's time for our top three stars of the week. And we remind you, you could check out all the NEC stars of the season, the all elite, the all conference award winners for the 2023 season available on northeastconference.org. But here are the top three stars from this past week, the final week of the regular season. And we start at number three with a duo. We had to put them together. The pair of Wagner running backs, Ricky Sproul, Zachary Palmer-Smith, Sproul 113 yards, three rushing touchdowns, Palmer-Smith 128 rushing yards, two touchdowns. The Wagner running back duo helped the Seahawks to a 48-21 victory in their season finale against Post. They helped Wagner post five rushing touchdowns, their most in a single game since 2009. And you add in Sproul's receiving touchdown, he becomes the first Wagner running back to have a four-touchdown game since 2018 our number two star of the week is stonehill running back jermaine corbett who had 17 carries for 94 yards and two touchdowns again the two touchdowns give him 20 for his career he crosses the 2000 career yards mark is 895 yards on the season in eight games good for third in the race for the rushing title and his nine touchdowns on the season end up second in the league one off of ty edmonds jr for the league mark but the nine rushing touchdowns still good in another race remember the prediction that Jermaine had here on our show earlier in the season when he said that he would score more rushing touchdowns than Saquon Barkley his his idol growing up as a New Jersey big time Giants fan well uh with still a month and a half to go in the NFL season uh Corbett finishes with nine rushing touchdowns Saquon Barkley has one so Eight touchdown advantage with a month and a half to go. The Giants would love a Barkley to catch up with Corbett, but uh, Corbett has a, a pretty sizable lead right now. So we'll have to stay tuned to see if Jermaine's prediction comes true. But our number one star of the week, you got to say he was the MVP of the, the championship game. It's Duquesne quarterback Darius Parentis, who went 11 for 18, 218 yards and three touchdowns. He's thrown for over 200 yards in every NEC game this year, and he now has four 
three touchdown passing games on the season. His 21 touchdowns passing lead the league, and it's also the most by a Duquesne quarterback in a single season since Tommy Stewart hurled 27 in 2017. It's time now to chat with the champs here on the season finale of NEC football on the run. We are joined by QB one from the 2023 Northeast conference football champion, Duquesne Dukes, the NEC's leader in touchdown passes and passing yards. Darius Parentis. Darius, welcome back to the show, a returning customer. Yes, sir. Appreciate you for having me. How, how, how'd all that sound? Northeast conference champion. Is that kind of settled in yet? Uh, not yet. To be honest, not yet. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> This coming Saturday for sure. <laughs> and now, last time we chatted about a month or so ago, you know, we talked about how there was still more work to do. It's a crazy league; anything can happen. So, yeah. what 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 is kind of the feeling, the morale right now with you, with the team that you were able to complete that journey, that you got that championship? Um, obviously, coming into this season, that's all we could think about is winning a championship. But um, our team is very hungry. Uh, our practice went very well today. Um, just went over some mental things, trying to get our bodies back into good shape for this week. But um, we'll definitely prepare prepare for the challenge and uh, we'll definitely be ready. Now, I'm, I'm sure it was quite, quite a whirlwind getting back on the bus, getting home, the selection yeah. special, back to practice for another game. But have you had a chance to kind of even think about like, wow, I mean, we because I mean, it was a long journey to get there, years you know, of, of hard work to get to this. So have you had kind of taken a second just to maybe step back and – kind of take it all in yeah um obviously it's been a long three seasons this past three seasons but um obviously god's timing is perfect timing uh championship came when it came and uh we were just so very grateful for the opportunity yeah. looking back on what would you say was what kind of like the turning point or the, the biggest obstacle that the, the team faced this year that kind of you overcame that and, and got to this this point um, I'd just say numbers. Uh, we've always been low in numbers, but um, our team just plays with a big heart. So, um, yeah, you can't take away heart. But, uh, yeah, I'm just proud of how our team has been playing this whole year. It's been a lot of away games, but, um, yeah, we've just shown a lot of resilience this year, and I'm happy for us. Now you talk about the resilience, you know, because you guys had a chance to win the title last week at home against Stonehill. So how are you kind of able to shake off the sting of that setback and then turn the page going into the Merrimack game? Because you talked about last time, oh, every week's a championship week, and th yeah. that week actually was. So, so how'd you kind of shake it off? Yeah, we were blessed with uh, two opportunities to win the championship game. So, um, yeah, obviously we wanted to get that win the first week against Stonehill. But, um, yeah, we just took a – we needed to from that game and just applied it to the next week and came out with a W. Well, I, I want to give a shout out kind of to your defense because that, that second half, all the three and outs, the turnovers. Okay. So, so you know, what, what you must had a big smile on your face on the sideline watching yeah. your defense do their thing. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to some of my teammates about how this week we definitely complimented each other, offense and defense. So, um, yeah, they're coming away with a lot of takeovers. I mean, turnovers, but um, yeah, they just make my job a lot easier with field position and just holding the teams up with less points. So, yeah. You know, with, with all the weapons that you guys have, skill positions, terrific offensive line, strong defense, as we saw, great coaching. How, how can this team still improve this week going into the FCS playoffs now? 
uh, we have a lot to improve on, but um, just taking it day by day, uh, taking what the coaches are giving us, um, watching film every day, learning uh, the tendencies of Youngstown State. Um, yeah, we're just excited for the opportunity to put on for our city and the university. So, what What's your first impression of the FCS playoffs opponent, Youngstown State? You had the selection special yesterday, found out that uh, that, that was going to be your destination coming up this weekend. So when, when you, you, I'm sure you kind of crammed in as much as you could here in the last few hours. So so yeah. what have you found out? What's your first impression? Well, we played them last year. They're a well-coached team. Uh, they have good defense. Um, uh, they can score the ball whenever they want to with a good offense. So it's going to be a, definitely a good game, uh, most likely a shootout. But uh, that's all we can ask for, just the opportunity to um, just display uh, our abilities. So. I think uh, 2015, first time Duquesne was in the playoffs, it was a shoot. It was like 51-48, quarterback threw for over 400 yards in that game. Uh, last time Duquesne was there, 2018, won a playoff game. So it's never – not it's it's always interesting whenever Duquesne's in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens this time around. All right, Terrence, we're gonna get you out here on the final five questions. You were you remember this from last time? Rapid fire. Yeah. So just give us the first thing that comes to mind. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. When you got back after the game, checked the phone. What was the the number one congratulation message that that stood out? A uh, message from my dad, just telling me how all my hard work uh, has come. Uh, yeah. Just comes with a lot of time and just being able to do what I do whenever I can for my team. Uh, he was just proud of me for fighting this whole season uh, through injuries and things like that. But um, yeah, nice little message. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, completely switching gears. What is your uh, best Thanksgiving side dish? I say garlic mashed potatoes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. What's the what's the number one item on your holiday wish list this year? I got mine already. Uh, NEC championship ring. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, no, uh, definitely a national championship. Okay, yeah. there you go. It's the next uh, thing on the list for sure. <laughs> does might not fit down the chimney, but still, it would be a nice yeah, nice yeah. gift. <laughs> what What would you say was your play of the year, your signature moment? When I say like your best play, number one on the highlight reel for your season, what what kind of stands out to you? Hmm. Specific play. I actually don't have a specific play. I just know um, that my team. Uh, Definitely uh, uses me a lot on our third down, so I just try to do the best I can and <laughs> get the first downs when needed. I mean, yeah, twenty-one touchdowns. I mean, that, any one of those could have been, uh, yeah. you know, a big play. I had some big bombs downfield. So, yeah, so a lot of my receivers did a lot of work <laughs> on those <laughs> plays. So I give them credit for sure. That's true. And and finally, you know, a lot of times on championship rings, teams have like a, a word or a phrase that kind of symbolizes the season or means a lot to that team over the course of the season. So if we could get a word or phrase inscribed on your championship ring to remember forever that describes the 2023 Dukes, what word would you put on that ring? Hey, family. There you go. Love it. It's especially time you're to be thankful for your family, the team family. It just goes together, right? Yes, sir. All right, well, Darius, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck the rest of the way in the FCS playoffs representing the NEC. Yes, sir. Appreciate your time. Thank you.
Jarris will lead the NEC champion Dukes into the FCS playoffs this weekend against Youngstown State Saturday at 5 p.m. on ESPN+. And you can check out the full season finale show of NEC football on the run over on the NEC Overtime Pod, available now wherever you get your podcasts. So up next on tap, the NEC champion Duquesne Dukes will be on their way to the FCS playoffs. What an incredible season for Duquesne. They led the NEC with 373 yards per game. Their offensive line allowed the fewest sacks on the season. We know that Duquesne has three running backs that can all make big plays. And Duquesne's going to go into the FCS postseason with their defense playing perhaps their best football of the season. They're definitely coming off their best game the way they shut down Merrimack, especially in the second half. And one more thing to keep in mind, remember that brutal non-conference schedule that Duquesne played back at the beginning of the season, going to West Virginia, Coastal Carolina, and Delaware? Well, all that experience against those big-name teams, well, that's what it was all for, for this, to go play against big teams in the FCS playoffs. Duquesne, they gathered together last Sunday in the Berg on the Bluff with the Yinzers to watch the selection special to learn their fate. And as luck would have it, they would draw a relatively familiar foe. They would draw, they would draw Youngstown State, a team that finished seven and four and five and three in the Missouri Valley Conference, earning an at-large bid. The Penguins and the Dukes, they played just last year in Ohio with Youngstown State coming away with a 31 to 24 victory. The Penguins ran for over 200 yards in that game, and they still have a top four rushing team in the MVC this year. So you would figure. Duquesne would need to shut down Youngstown State on the ground, similar to how they shut down the NEC's leading rusher in the regular season finale. Duquesne is 0 for their last five against Youngstown State going back to, I believe, the 2012 season. Duquesne is making their third trip as the NEC champion to the FCS playoffs. They went there in 2015 and 2018, and both trips were rather eventful. In 2015, they lost to William William and Mary, 52 to 49 Duquesne quarterback Dylan Beekle set a record for NEC quarterbacks in the FCS playoffs, throwing for 423 yards and six touchdowns. Then in 2018, they were back three years later and they actually picked up a win in the first round, knocking off Towson 31 to 10 before bowing out in the second round to South Dakota state 51 to six. So both previous trips, have had some big stories coming out of it. We will see what happens here in Duquesne's third go-around as NEC champion in the FCS playoffs. The game against Youngstown State will be played at 5 p.m. in Youngstown, Ohio, on Saturday, November 25th on ESPN+. The winner of that game will advance to the second round to face number eight-seeded Villanova the following week. Well, fans, that'll just about do it for this week's episode, and that'll just about do it for the 2023 season. Congratulations to the 2023 Northeast Conference football champion, the Duquesne Dukes, and be sure to follow along during their run as the NEC's representative into the FCS playoffs. And again, go back and check out our 2023 NEC Elite All-Conference winners on northeastconference.org. Thank you again for being with us all season long. We hope to see you back here in 2024 for season 29 of NEC football. Until then, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC football on the run.